Welcome to episode 160 of the Giant Take Podcast. I am Josh and I am joined by my co-host Alex. We are here talking to you a week after our last episode with a special guest in this one, Shane Hollum uh, from the Draft Countdown. We're going to talk to him about, obviously, the NFL Draft uh, and we're excited to do it. But for right now, you got to hear our stupid voices first. <laughs> and we will talk a little bit, myself and Alex included, about the recent New York Giants news, some more signings that they've made, some prospects and how their pro days have been going. Uh, and again, we are excited to do it. So we welcome you in, strap in, put your seatbelts on to this episode of the Giant Take Podcast. And I will first send it to my co-host, Alex. Alex, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Excited to talk some Giants. Obviously, a few signings have been made. Uh, nothing too crazy, but uh, certainly some pieces that have been added and some you know, media gossip, some John Mara talking, which usually isn't too helpful. Uh, in this case, it wasn't either. Um, but yeah, certainly excited to get into it. And let's get into it. Double get into it. Triple yeah, get into it. Tri- triple get into it. Um, but what you can't get into is uh, properly putting a, a pop filter on your microphone. So, um, you know, as I'm watching you absolutely struggle tightening the strap, I'm going to go and actually be a professional podcaster here. Even though I'm not one, I try my best to be one because I at least know how to put a pop filter on a microphone. Starting out with some signings, the Giants have made. Oh my God, I'm watching, I watch you not being able to put this on. This is really distracting. This is like pro distraction right now. Um, to give you a play-by-play, Alex... Oh, Alex has turned off his camera, so I can't even see what he was doing. But what he was doing was trying to screw on the pot filter close to his mic uh, and dramatically failing so much that he's embarrassed so com- so, so much completely uh, that uh, he has turned off his camera. So let's go to the first Giants signing from a couple days ago. Defensive lineman Justin Ellis has signed with the New York Giants to a one-year deal. He was a former Baltimore Raven, so obviously he has connections there with Giants defensive coordinator Don Wink Martindale. 31 years old, six foot two. 334 pounds uh, defensive lineman. Ellis, again, spent the last three seasons with Martindale in Baltimore, had one career sack in 2017 as a member of the Raiders. He's now, uh, he he's not a dynamic player, but he is a veteran who knows the system and then will be behind Dexter Lawrence, most likely, and Leonard Williams in the Giants defense, um, you know, in that order. And Alex's camera is back on at the perfect timing for me to send it to him. Alex, is your mic filt? Is your pop filter finally on your mic? That's one and two. Yes. Can you get into the other signings the Giants have made? Is that possible? Yes, I can. I'm here. I'm ready to focus. A uh, pop filter on the P's and the S's are going to sound great. All right, uh, Justin Ellis, certainly an interesting addition here. Like you mentioned, um, a little bit on the older side, but he played under Don Wink Martindale. Uh, he's more of a run stuffer, more of a, a you know nose tackle, obviously. But certainly someone who can come in here and fill Austin Johnson's role pretty well. So uh, I'm happy with the signing. think it was a good move. And we'll see how he does um, this year for the Giants. All right. And uh, even though I told you to move on to the next guy on this list, you're not going to do that for me. I guess we're really not starting off great. This is our this is our not just co-host, but our friendship on a daily basis here. The arguments and disagreements on an all-time high level to start off this episode. The Giants also signed wide receiver Richie James to a one-year league minimum contract. Former San Francisco 49er, five foot nine, um, short for for a wide receiver, I would say, 185 pounds. 
And he signed most likely to be a punt and kick returner. That's what he has experience in. I mean, he'll be very low on the Giants depth chart, Giants depth chart with all the wide receivers that they have on this uh, roster. So, um, I, I mean, I I'm, would be very surprised if he ends up being a wide receiver for this team. I assume him for him to be a kick returner, punt returner, um, which, you know, was CJ Board's role. And CJ Board is still on this team. But I don't know. I, I I don't know what his future holds. But I believe that is why James was signed to the team. And now moving on, I guess we could talk about John Mara a little bit. Alex mentioned it in his intro. John Mara spoke to the uh, media, the Giants media, I believe, a couple days ago, and he talked about a few different bullet points that we'll mention here. The first one being Daniel Jones, basically solidified that he is the QB of the future, no matter if Tyrod Taylor is the backup quarterback or not. That is the deal uh, with. Daniel Jones, the future um, for this New York Giants team. If you want to hear our instant reactions to those comments, you could check it out on the Giant Take YouTube channel. Um, and that we have a video reacting to that. A quick one, so you know, won't take too long to check it out there. Also, the Giants are not, or I believe they're not actively shopping Saquon Barkley. Um, the Joe Shane also on Monday, March 28th said, quote, haven't called one team on Barkley, although he said he was getting some calls on Barkley. Uh, him, you know, he was getting calls, but he wasn't making calls. He's a great player, uh, Shane said, uh, and a good guy to have around the team. So I assume that means that Barkley will be running back one to start the season, although there's a long time until that point. We're approaching April. It's coming fast. It means the draft is coming even faster at the end of the month, um, and that is why we're here to talk about it. But when it comes to Saquon Barkley, probably running back number one for the Giants. Yeah. Um, in terms of Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones is here to stay at least temporarily, and he will be QB1 going into the season. Uh, Mara, I mentioned this on the video. It's kind of weird that you're making comments before the draft and kind of signaling what you may want to do in the draft. So not exactly great from John Mara, but then again, we don't really expect much from him. Um, in regards to the offensive line, he spoke and said, our offensive line should be better, God willing, is his quote there. Um, and that goes along to your point again, Alex, saying, speaking of what you're doing before the draft even happens, I mean, if that doesn't signal we're drafting an offensive lineman, I don't know what does, but who knows, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, it is also a little weird that he seems to know quite a bit about what's going on. I get he's the owner, but he's, he once again seems to be a little bit too involved in what's going on in terms of the Giants' operations, so that's a bit concerning, but... Hey, uh, you know, what can you do? Um, final signing here uh, for today, new signing, and then we'll kind of recap some of the offensive lineman signings. Uh, but for a new offensive lineman, guard Max Garcia, formerly of the Cardinals, has signed a one-year deal with the Giants. He started 11 games with the Cardinals last season and fit, had 52 career starts. He actually was an alternate pro bowler last year. Uh, which is kind of an interesting fact. So he wasn't actually a pro baller, but an alternate. But um, certainly a solid player who played well for the Cardinals last season. And obviously Will Hernandez now, former Giant, is heading to the Cardinals. So it's kind of a swap of the guards there. Obviously, they already have Justin Pugh, former Giants guard as well. So uh, another Giant, a former Giants guard who really didn't work out uh, going back or going to Arizona. Um, I like Max Garcia. I think he's solid. Don't think necessarily as a starter, a possibility as a starter, uh, and definitely will fight in camp. But I think another great addition in uh, being made here by Joe Shane. 
Did you say that was our last signing, Alex? How can he forget about the one and only international running back, Sandro Platzgummer, is returning on another contract with the team. That's exciting stuff. And you're just running over his name like he's a nobody. Like he's nothing to this team. I'm so sorry, Sandro. He's a pivotal, a pivotal guy. And he's also friends, I believe, with Talking Giants. So I and, and we're friends with Talking Giants. So I don't know how you can just disrespect Sandro Platzgummer in that way. I'm sorry, Sandro. I'm really sorry. I forgot is it you. is it because he's won't from happen Austria? again? Is no, it, it won't come. It won't happen again. It won't happen again. I promise. Wow. So Alex is just against any football player that's not from the United States. That really is how it goes, huh? I'm sorry, Sandro. <laughs> Let's talk about these offensive line signings in total. Uh, like you were saying. So in terms of the offensive line, the Giants have signed this offseason Garcia, Matt Gano, Mark Lewinsky, Jamil Douglas, and John Feliciano. So it's not like they're throwing the, the, the problem under the rug, to say the least. They are trying to address it as best as they can with the cap room salary that they're able to provide to sign these guys. Now, heading into the draft, will they still draft a offensive lineman with this first Round these first round picks five or seven. Will they trade for, uh, you know, trade down whatever to get another uh, pick? Who knows? Uh, We'll have to wait and see. But with the we with these signings, I would have to say that probably a couple of them will be starters, such as Feliciano, Glowinski. I can say with confidence, I think Garcia could definitely be a very good backup, and then Gano could also very well back up if not start if need be. So. It's not like these signings, they might be low in salary, but they're high in their value uh, to this team. I think they could definitely start, uh, you know, for, for the Giants. Yeah. And speaking of draft in terms of offensive linemen, uh, Charles Cross had his pro day and he was said to have an amazing pro day, uh, according to uh, certain, uh, you know, reporters, John, uh, I'm going to say Sokoloff. Uh, sport director covering Mississippi State specifically was giving a lot of information. So shout out to him. But the Giants and the Jets were the teams that he said had spoken the most to him. And uh, Bobby Johnson, Giants offensive line coach, was out there working him out at right tackle at his pro day. So certainly something to look out for. And it's it's known now that, or at least it's rumored, that the Giants are very much uh, in favor and definitely like Charles Cross. So something to keep an eye out on in uh, the future for, you know, the mocks and as well as um, the actual draft come late April. Something to take a look at. Just know, looking at some guys who might be falling down boards, I know Tyler Linderbaum uh, is someone that I've I've heard and read has been falling down draft boards along with someone like, you know, Isaiah Spiller, uh, Traylon Burks. You go on the defensive side of things, George Karloftis. These guys are really falling down draft boards. So maybe, I said maybe, uh, you know, Linderbaum, I don't know. He could, I mean, I don't know how far he'll fall down the board, uh, but just someone to look forward to uh, on there. Now moving to back to giant stuff. This goes to Jabril Peppers, the safety, uh, former New York giant. It looks to be uh, the Patriots are going to hold a visit for him or already held one today. Then we're recording this Monday night on March 28th. I don't know. Is he reuniting with Joe Judge? Looks to be that way. Judge really liked him. I assume, you know, with the Giants, probably gave Bill Belichick some uh, some little tidbits, some thoughts. And uh, he comes in today to work out with the team. Will he be a future New England Patriot? 
I would say likely after the, at this point to go into a workout and to have that connection with Joe judge, who is your former head coach, but that could just be me. He could have been one of the few guys in the locker room that, that really liked Joe judge and what he was trying to accomplish with this team. So there's that. And then there's also uh, giants GM Joe Shane says that James Bradbury is still on the roster after when, you know, a couple of weeks ago or last week, I don't remember when I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Now Bradbury was, you know, rumored to be traded or cut more, more likely traded. Um, because the Giants weren't going to sign him to this to this bonus due to his contract, they ended up doing nothing. He stays on the roster, no bonus or bonus gained, no trade given, or no trade occurring. Yeah, uh, I think Bradbury could possibly be in line for an extension. So take that into consideration. Look out for it. If not a trade before the draft, I think we'll know what happens before the draft. Certainly. Um, some injury updates here for some injured Giants. Uh, linebackers Blake Martinez and wide receiver Sterling Shepard, hopeful both be back by August per Joe Shane. Martinez is slightly ahead of Shepard in rehab. He was obviously injured much earlier in the season. And they are all and the Giants are also taking a wait-and-see approach with offensive lineman Nick Gates per Joe Shane. Uh, this is from Jordan Ronan. He said, I heard recently Gates underwent a procedure as he recovers from a leg injury and there's still hope he's ready for training camp. So that's some injury updates there for some of our former Giants who were here last season and hopefully uh, we'll be back by training camp. All right, so that's going to do it for the news. Again, episode's not even close to over yet. You can subscribe, though, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can also subscribe to The Giant Take on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter and TikTok at The Giant Take Pod, Instagram and Facebook, The Giant Take Podcast, Alex on Twitter at anorian 23 I'm on Twitter at Joshua29. You can go check out the podcast, shipstudios.com slash the giant take, but don't go anywhere yet. Interview Shane Hallam from Draft Countdown. We're going to talk NFL draft and how it's going to work with the New York Giants, get into some prospects that we like uh, with the draft again coming up in the next few, I'm just going to say few days, few weeks. We're almost there though. Uh, it's getting closer, it's getting exciting. So enjoy the interview. We are back now with a very special guest. He's an NFL draft, fantasy football, and college football analyst, and you can catch him on the Draft Countdown podcast. It is Shane P. Hallam. Shane, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's uh, draft season is is upon us, right? Everyone's turned their attention to it, so this is this is the last month I revel in. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, we've uh, we've been talking about it. We're getting closer and closer to April, which just basically means closer and closer to the NFL draft at the end of the month. Um, and that's what we're super excited about. So uh, without further ado, I'll send it to my co-host, Alex, to uh, get us going. So you had the most recent mock draft. Uh, I looked, it was you did a, a seven round mock draft recently. So I'm not going to go all the way through the seven rounds, but I want to kind of go through the first three rounds and see what you're thinking for the Giants. So you had uh, Iki Aquanu at five, uh, Sauce Gardner at seven, at uh, at five and seven for those two first round picks for the Giants. What did you, do you see any other options possibly at that pick? What made you select those two guys for the Giants? I think the Giants do have some options. Um, you know, I think for me, seeing Iguanu there, who some teams have rated as the top offensive tackle on the board. Uh, so I think if he's sitting there five, it's a tough pass for them. I know they like Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. Um, and so depending on how things fall, maybe they wait and hope they can get him. 
a pick later, or maybe these kind of swap and they, they try to get across at seven. Um, but, you know, I think if one who just fits some of that mentality of being this, this brutal, you know, run blocker who can play tackle, who can kick inside to guard, but has really good athletic ability. And that's why he's a top five pick in this draft. Um, you know, something I did not see before the season, but really saw the season was him be a good blindside protector. Um, so, you know, I think those offensive tackles are in play. Evan Neal from Alabama across from and and Iquanu. Um so I think offensive tackle, I feel like one of those spots, five or seven, like offensive tackle feels good. I think the other one is open. Uh, you know, Sauce Gardner is a pretty common pick there just because he, he, you know, Sauce Gardner, I think, is a top eight pick in this draft. Like, I feel like he is. And so when you start getting into, okay, what teams are going to take him that have a need, that have that, it's like the Giants kind of fit the bill a little bit with some of the, you know, past failures of first round picks at corner and, and Baker and those kind of things. Um, but I, th- I think edge rusher is definitely in play. I think if Trevon Walker from Georgia falls, I think he's a, a very fine possibility. You know, if they like Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon more than it seems like some of these top teams do, I think he's a, a, in play there at five or seven um but uh, you know you guys can correct me too but i feel like those three positions defensive back offensive tackle edge you know feel pretty good uh you know maybe kyle hamilton on notre dame's an option but it seems like their moves this offseason probably preclude that i think they'd rather the corner um but that's usually my thought process looking at these two giants first round picks yeah, and you mentioned the cornerback position for the Giants. Um, you know, there are a few Giants fans around Twitter who are not liking uh, cornerbacks to be on that list. We have James Bradbury, we have Adore Jackson, and after that, you would probably say Aaron Robinson, the draft pick, uh, the draft pick from last season. The thing is, though, we don't know. We aren't fully certain of James Bradbury's future with the New York Giants if he gets shopped around uh, to other teams which would then leave that number one cornerback slot kind of open where, um, you know, you would think a Dory Jackson takes that, but having someone like Gardner uh, come in there and, you know, take that spot is, is a big, big need. And I think um, Gardner, he has a really great ability. Um, and we actually just recently ranked our top like cornerbacks in this NFL draft. So um, it's funny that you have that there. Who do you, what do you think of like someone like McCreary? Um, in the second round, maybe even falling to that 36 spot. Could, could he fill that void there? I, I think it's a possibility. I think if they don't go corner round one, um, there are a lot of those good kind of slot type corners. You know, Roger McCree at Auburn is interesting to me because you put on Auburn games against SEC competition and, and he flashes. I mean, this guy looks like a legitimate NFL cornerback, has that athleticism. He can be a little bit tough at the line of scrimmage, but generally they played him off, uh, you know, off the ball with, with a little bit of uh, deep zone, sometimes in the cover three. Um, so he's, you know, he's running man up with, with Jameson Williams. He's running man up with some of these SEC receivers and held his own really, really well. Te- a lot of teams, um, threw away from him, just didn't want to deal with him. I think the problem with Roger McCreary comes in with his, his arms are short and he doesn't quite have that build that you want in an ideal number one corner. So I could see some teams, I think it depends on the scheme. I think something, some teams are going to say Roger McCreary is going to be a top-notch nickel corner. We've seen nickel corners go high round two. I don't think, I think he's still in play at that point, but there might be teams say, well, you know, this isn't the guy. So like you said, you know, if they go with, um, Jackson and Bradbury and feel like, uh, you know, they, they want Bradbury to stay and uh, play 
you know, play the boundary for whatever reason, then I think McCreary could be in play. And I think there's a lot of good corners even on in round three that have maybe a little more of that press ability if that's what they want to do. Um, you know, for me, I always worry about when you have a team that has a new general manager and new coach, you know, head to coach, what what happens with some of those guys that are already on the roster? Like if there's rumors of them shopping James Bradbury, they probably don't think he's a starter, right? You know, you're not going to be shopping him too much if you're like, this is a long-term starter for us. So, um, so I think, I think 36 could be a, a spot if they pass on sauce Gardner to take someone, whether it be uh, like you said, a McCreary or a Kyler Gordon from Washington, or maybe, you know, some, an Andrew Booth falls from Clemson. Yeah, so in your mock draft at 36, you had Trey McBride from Colorado State. Uh, Many see him as the number one tight end in this class. I've seen certain mocks that he's going as early as round two, where you have him here, uh, sometimes late round two, early round three. What do you think about this tight end class? Um, uh, Do you think McBride, I assume he's your number one, um, and also you know, lots of people are talking about this is a really deep tight end class. This is a class that is not exactly top heavy, but has a lot of depth going into the third, fourth, fifth round uh, and onwards. I think for me, the tight end class is probably the most difficult to wrap my head around in terms of this draft, because we don't have that first round guy. Um, do I think Trey McBride could go in the late first? I, I wouldn't say no. Uh, I think there are teams that could like him, but he doesn't have that athletic profile that you typically look for in a first round pick. Uh, So that's why I kind of feel like early second is a nice spot for him. And the Giants obviously having a big need at the tight end position with Evan Ingram, uh, you know, gone. I, I honestly, I think it's a deep tight end class, but with a kind of a big button there. Uh, But I don't think a lot of these guys are true number one tight ends you know I think when we say it's a deep class I see a lot of guys that are going to be really good rock solid number two tight ends on the team they're going to block they're going to catch a couple touchdowns they're going to break some fantasy players hearts when they steal a touchdown from a running back you know those kind of things um but if we look at kind of the requisite athleticism for a George Kittle for Travis Kelsey you know who's who's that day two tight end that's going to turn into that um there's a couple but no one that I think both has that ability and flashed enough in college consistency to make you feel like you have a number one tight end. It would not overly surprise me if we look back on this tight end class and say, man, this really stunk. Like this tight end class wasn't good. Even if a lot of them stick around the NFL, but are net, they, no one like shined, right? You usually need a couple guys to kind of come out of the woodwork. Um, so like Isaiah likely from coastal Carolina, really good receiver, had a great career. Then he ran a four eight, and now like you got to run a four seven five if you want to be you know a dominant number one tight end, and and he's small, it's just not going to happen. Um, so then you're taking swings on, you know McBride or Greg Dulcich from UCLA, who you know I think both of those guys on film look really good, but also probably don't have that requisite athletic ability to maybe be. Uh, dominant in those one-on-one battles. And the guys that do, Jelani Woods from Virginia, Charlie Kohler from Iowa State, uh, Daniel Bellinger from San Diego State, weren't used in that way for most of their college career. They weren't big-time receivers. So what do I do? I think that's the problem with this tight end class. It's hard, you know, um, I think these coaches are going to see some of these players and say, I can fix him. I can turn him into that. Like Trey McBride, he is so good in his body control and making contested catches and doing a little bit after the catch. 
I think I think it's going to be coaches that say I can make him a star if he just you know learns a little bit more and we can put him in kind of that Jason Witten role stick route, uh, let him do what he does well. Uh, so I think a team will take him early, but I think he's going to be limited, and I think all these tight ends will be limited in the NFL. I have a follow up question uh, about the tight end class heading into this NFL draft. When I was looking at rankings in like playoff time, January, February, towards the Super Bowl, I was seeing Jalen Watermeyer. Uh, as one of like the top guys on, on these lists. Now, maybe I was looking at the wrong tight end rankings and maybe you can clarify that for me, but why is it that when I'm looking now, Weidermeyer has been dropping further and further into lists. Is there something I'm missing as a fan or as a viewer? Has he, he been ran worse? He ran really slow at his pro day, didn't he? I remember that it was like a five something. 503. Um, like this, this, this is, no, it's fair. This, this is probably one of my biggest misses pre- you know, pre-draft to now, I'm going to have an article coming out on Sunday about Jalen Weidermeyer and the curious huh. case that he is. Cause I watched him as a freshman coming to Texas A&M to SEC and absolutely dominate Alabama defenders. Like, I mean, this guy looked like a stud and, and I preached that all college season. It wasn't as good this year, you know, but I think it's one of my biases. I was like, I, you know, I saw him be so good at like 18 years old in the SEC. He can't be that bad. And then, you know, people aren't talking about him. He's dropping down lists. And then the workout was one of the worst workouts we've ever had for a tight end. Uh, we're talking bottom 10% ever of tight ends. It, it, there has, there's been a handful, like we're talking four or five players with his athletic profile um, that even got drafted and that's six, seventh rounders and 90% of them did not. Right. And did, didn't make a team. So it's like, you know, what do you do? I, I I saw this guy play really well. There's some questions about effort uh, and some of the character concerns. There's some character concerns there. Like maybe that's more the issue and maybe someone can fix that. Uh, probably not. So he, he's gone from my number one tight end for a long time down to number 11 and it sucks. And like, it's like, I screwed up, you know, somehow I didn't understand that he was that slow or I don't know, but so, something's wrong there. And so the Giants, I want to go down to your 81st overall pick for the Giants. You had James Cook. Obviously, there's been tons of rumors that the Giants love James Cook. Uh, Obviously, lots of Giants scouts, lots of Giants coaches at his pro day. You know, everyone looking at him, apparently, you know, rumors that they're very interested in him. Just remember, Alex, today, uh, Ian Rappaport um, reported that four Giants scouts are watching Sam Howell at his pro day, too. One of them was Bobby Johnson, the O-line coach. So who knows how much that makes sense. But I anyway. think I saw Art Stapleton made a tweet about that saying that, you know, NC State, it's right next door, uh, obviously, to UNC. So they're probably just all waiting for Iki Aquanu's pro, uh, pro day, which I believe is tomorrow. So we'll see how he does. But um, yeah, James Cook is someone who I kind of find interesting. He doesn't really pop off to me on tape. You know, obviously he has the good genes with Dal- being Dalvin Cook's brother, but uh, what exactly do you see in him uh, for, you know, to pick him for the Giants? What do you think the Giants see in him uh, in terms of the running back position? Yeah, and I'll say, too, look, North Carolina has a couple offensive linemen worth drafting on day three. So, you know, you, you might you might be able to sneak those in there. But J- James Cook, I think when you start to see those links, and especially when I get into round three, round four, like, you know, if there's a link to a player, it's an easy kind of fit. I do think running back itself probably is more of a focus for the Giants than people want to think. Uh, obviously, they've talked about, you know, if the right offer comes along, they'll trade Saquon Barkley. It's probably not going to happen, right? But, you know, it, that line of thinking 
says like Matt Breida is not going to be your answer if that happens or in a year. So getting a guy like James Cook, who um, I, I agree with you, doesn't necessarily pop on film. And that's kind of the Georgia way, you know, the Georgia Bulldogs have notoriously just split that running back role. So many different ways. They bring five-star high four-star guys in all the time. Um, and you know, it's why Nick Chubb fell to the second round of the NFL draft because you just didn't get to see him showcase enough. Plus the injuries. I think cook is one of those players who is an elite pass catching running back. Um, they started to put him out wide a little bit this season uh, when, you know, without George Pickens, when they had some other receiver injuries and he basically flashed as a receiver too. So I think in terms of a versatile weapon, you, know, you have Kadarius Tony last year, um, once again, new regime here, you can get a player that's kind of, um, you know, I would say harking back to the bills, like Devin Singletary plus, you know, it's Devin Singletary with actual speed. And I think that could be really intriguing in the long term and someone in the short term that even with Saquon Barkley can give him a breather, can catch passes out of the backfield, isn't a negative pass blocker, has a lot of those little things. So like I have James Cook further down my rankings because of what you said. I think he's a more of a roll back. He's my RB8, but I do think NFL teams are going to like him a lot more. And, you know, running backs can be a dime a dozen and they can get a player like that to come in and play that role. And who knows, you know, he has the athletic ability. He has decent enough size. He could be a lead back in the future. Another player that I really like at the running back position, obviously had a terrible combine, Kyron Williams. Uh, he's an interesting one. I think on tape, he, you know, he seems quicker than what he ran. I believe he ran what in the four late, uh, the high four sixes or early four, uh, low four sevens. But what do you think about him? I actually really like him. I thought he stood out on tape to me as kind of a pass catcher out of the backfield, kind of do it all. And he plays faster to me than uh, what he did at the combine. I think Kyron Williams is not, you know, dead in, in the water at this point. Um, his, his pro day was good. Like he had the, um, the six, nine, four, three cone, which is really good. And uh, shuttle was very good as well at four, one, nine. And like you say, he has that quickness. He has that short area quickness. That's what those drills are testing. He may not be the player that can run, you know, a four, four. I think he improved his time in his parade in the mid four fives, but it's Notre Dame. I expect that to happen a little bit. Um, I, look, I think on day three, he is definitely worth a pick. Um, uh, I'm releasing player comps on draft countdown. I compared him to Dion Lewis, um, prospect out of Pittsburgh a few years ago. Once again, day three pick who had a lot of success just being smaller and quick. He didn't have to be fast uh, because when you can make guys miss in that short space, which I think Kyron Williams showed time and time again that he could do, you can find a role in the NFL. And I think he's tough enough too that um, he'll do it. But it, it's it's going to be one of those things like what a team say when a guy run, runs a 4.65 is under 200 pounds. Like, and this is, this is a deep class all around for every position. You know, are you really going to spend a pre, you know decent premium pick on him? I think when you get into round five, round six, if he's sitting there, I think it'd be a tough pass. Speaking of the draft countdown, uh, the the website on the big board, the number one guy, Kayvon Thibodeau. What like? Can you speak a little bit about him and just why he's number one on that list? I will because he's not number one on seemingly any NFL team list. So I'll I'll you know we we still are standing strong there. I, I just think from day one of his college career, Kayvon Thibodeau was the best player on the field for Oregon and. 
that explosive first step to get to the passer is just so exceptional is one of the best that I've seen. Now he doesn't compare to, um, you know, some of the other high end pass rushers recently, Chase Young, the Bosa's, I think because he doesn't, Kevin Thibodeau doesn't play the run as well as those players. He doesn't set the edge like that. Uh, but there are a ton of plays from this year when he was playing a little banged up and was in and out that, um, I mean, just exceptionally gets off the line of scrimmage to, to the end of the backfield and changes the play. Maybe he doesn't get a sack or doesn't get a tackle for loss. That's not on the stat sheet. I think that's what he brings to the table. And this, this, the league is built on getting to the quarterback. And I'm not sure that anyone can do it as well as him at this point. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm still on it. Maybe he may be false to eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, or whatever. That's fine. I, you know, I'll take my chances. I do think he's a little more raw than an elite edge prospect. I don't really have an elite grade on any player in this class. So that makes things a little bit different ultimately, but uh, I still think he's really good and teams should, should be considering him in the top five. Yeah. If he falls to five or seven, I have no problem with that. So it's all good. <laughs> have him keep falling on draft boards. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I think about if I was the giants, I'm, if it was me drafting and he's there at five, I would, I would leap at the opportunity to grab him uh, and grab my offensive tackle at seven. I'd be happy with that. Speaking of edge rushers, obviously someone who's really risen up boards after the combine Trayvon Walker what are your thoughts on him? Do you see him as a top five, top 10 talent, or are you kind of not buying into the hype post combine? I'm not really someone who looks at the combine and is like, wow, he did that at the combine. He's now a top five pick for me. I think Trayvon Walker was, I still liked him before the combine, but I think some of the hype he's getting is a little bit too much. Uh, what do you think about that? I have Walker as my sixth player on the board. And I think not just the combine, but what he put together from the college football playoff through that point, you know, the national championship, he was arguably the best uh, defender on the field for Georgia, which we know we're going to have a ton of first, second, third round picks. Um, I mean, he made the difference in that game getting to the passer. I think, I just think he's a lot more raw than Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I think Trayvon Walker has some problems with his leverage. I think he plays a little bit high. He relies on that athleticism a little bit too much. Doesn't have a ton of moves. Like he's this kind of lump of clay that if you can mold into what you want, then you can teach some of those teachable skills. I mean, he could be top five pass rusher in the NFL. I think that's what teams see. And like I said before, I think NFL coaches think they can fix a player. They think they can make them, you know, you, you don't become an NFL head coach or offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, D-line coach and think, wow, I'm pretty crappy at this job, right? Like, you, you know, you don't think that. You're going to go in and say, this guy has all the skills. I can teach him how to, to have more pass rush moves. I can teach him how to play low and he's going to be a monster. So that's why he's going to get drafted high, why he's probably in consideration for the number one overall pick. And I think probably going to go in the top three. Yeah, I was about to say that. I think he's probably going to go top three, top four. I don't think he gets past the Jets, um, but definitely, you know, he he's also versatile. So that's something that is also uh, definitely coveted by a lot of NFL teams. For me, my number one player in this class is Kyle Hamilton. I think he is a stud. I love, you know, watching him at Notre Dame. What do you think about him? Where do you think his ceiling is? Where do you think his floor is? And what kind of speak to the positional value argument that a lot of people are making about why Kyle Hamilton can't go uh, super early. Obviously, safety has not always been one of the most coveted positions, but uh, obviously safety is becoming more and more important in the modern day NFL as play uh, as QBs like Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes 
are slinging the ball downfield. Uh, I, I think that's what makes it tough. Like I, if someone has Kyle Hampton, you have Kyle Hampton number one. I, I can't argue with you. I think in terms of as a playmaker, you can make that argument uh, because I think he is really good. And that size and athleticism and speed is, is off the charts. I think the position of safety is growing in importance, but I also think a lot of teams are recognizing we don't need an elite safety, right? We need someone that can play deep. And if you have a Kyle Hamilton, like you don't just want to do a two deep shell, like that's just wasting his talents and wasting a top five pick. You want someone that can kind of Troy Palomalu, Sean Taylor it and, you know, play around the line of scrimmage can back up, can move around the field, use that athleticism, use that size in the run game you know, do a little bit of everything. And so I think there's certain schemes where they're going to say he's great, but like, uh, we, we don't, we don't need that. We don't need him to have an effective defense. And that's what hurt. That's what hurts. I think his ceiling. I mean, I think he could go too. I think in my mock Adam going to, to the lions, I think it's possible. Um, I think he could fall outside the top 10. I think, I, I don't think it's out of the question. I would doubt it. I think someone's going to take an elite talent like that, you know, a uh, top end talent like that maybe just on the edge of being like, you know, one of my higher rated safeties ever. He's just a safety. I think that's what the difference is. You can go check out all the coverage and draft content on draft on the draft countdown website and check out the podcast, the draft countdown podcast. You can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P Hallam. Thank you so much for coming on today. Really appreciate it. Oh, thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.